This is the In Focus podcast from the Hindu. Hello and welcome to the Hindu's In Focus podcast with me Amit Barua, your host for this episode. After the Taliban took over Afghanistan by force earlier this year, India, like many other countries, was forced to deal with the new realities in the country. The change was emphasized by India hosting as many as seven regional national security officials from around Afghanistan on the 10th of November. Pakistan and China were conspicuous by their absence. India's influence in Afghanistan has clearly waned after the Taliban took over. Is the regional route the best route to keep itself relevant in Afghan affairs for India? Are there any other options besides engaging the Taliban? How does this sit with the deteriorating human rights and humanitarian situation in Afghanistan? To discuss these issues, I have with me former Indian High Commissioner to Pakistan, TCA Raghavan, who also ha- handled Afghanistan affairs during his stint as Joint Secretary in the Ministry of External Affairs. Welcome to In Focus, Dr. Raghavan. Thank you very much. Thank you for inviting me. Dr. Raghavan, my first question to you is this. What is the significance of this meeting of eight national security officials, including India, in New Delhi to discuss the Afghanistan situation? Well, the significance is that you see a grouping of Central Asian officials, plus Iran, plus India, plus Russia, trying to see whether they can enlarge the common ground which exists between them. There are differences in the perceptions of many of these countries. And I would say the real takeaway from this meeting is that it is a, a one of a series of what will be a series of efforts to enlarge the common ground which exists. Uh, the, the challenges which Afghanistan faces are, of course, numerous. And a grouping such as this certainly will not be able to find a solution to all those uh, different issues because that requires a different range of countries also to be uh, involved. Nevertheless, the fact that uh, India, Iran, Russia, plus all the Central Asian uh, countries uh, meet together in what is clearly a process uh, is uh, significant. Uh, Dr. Lagwan, in their declaration, uh, the uh, NSA has called for collective cooperation against the menace of radicalization, extremism, separatism, and drug trafficking in the region. You know, is there, is there something in the realm of the possible uh, for these countries to do? Well, each of these are pretty uh, stiff uh, challenges. Uh, and to some extent, uh, declaratory uh, statements uh, such as this have a limited uh, uh, impact because the key question really is of the internal situation uh, in Afghanistan. The external factors do play a role, uh, of course, but the principal driver is really the internal situation and especially the potential fissures which exist in uh, Afghanistan uh, today. Uh, An external environment uh, is certainly helpful in attending to those Uh, issues you mentioned. But the fact is that it is going to be national efforts within Afghanistan, which can only make the real impact. The declaration, Dr. Raghavan, also speaks of a truly representative government in Afghanistan. But 
makes no mention of holding elections to ascertain whether the Taliban have a popular mandate to govern. So does this mean uh, the Taliban have been accepted as a fait accompli? The Taliban is a fait accompli. I think uh, on that, uh, for the moment at least, there are no uh, two views because even in the statement which came out from this uh, meeting, uh, we find very little denunciation of the Taliban and also the if press reports are correct about the uh, Taliban's response to this meeting, it is quite uh, measured. So there is a greater uh, acceptance of this uh, fait accompli, which has been brought about uh, because of force of arms and the manner in which the U.S. withdrawal uh, took place. But the larger issue of uh, a representative government in Afghanistan now, this is something which has dogged Afghanistan politics for at least 40 uh, or 50 years. And uh, certainly no one has found a perfect uh, or even an imperfect answer uh, to this because uh, one, one takeaway of the past decade has been that despite the elections, uh, despite the numerous efforts and investments made by the international community in Afghanistan, uh, whether that government which came up could be called uh, truly representative uh, is very much of an open question because if it was truly representative, it would not, that entire architecture would not have disappeared or melted away uh, so quickly. So what will be a representative government is really the central question. And I think that is a question to which the external uh, actors can create a facilitatory environment, but it is a question really which the Afghan parties themselves have to find an answer to. Uh, Dr. Raghavan, you uh, correctly referred to the issue of, uh, you know, truly representative government and the governments that Afghanistan has seen. But arguably, say, the government of Hamid Karzai or even Ashraf Ghani, had a level of legitimacy through a popular process, which the Taliban don't. I mean, as you pointed out, they took power through the force of arms. So if the, if the rest of the world and its neighbors, you know, accept this kind of force of arms takeover, doesn't it have larger implications for the rule of law in the region? Well, any change brought about because of force of arms uh, always leaves questions hanging about uh, the rule of law and what is the role of the international community in addressing uh, such issues. But uh, the specific specificities of the Afghan situation have to be kept in, uh, have to be kept in uh, mind. The Taliban had uh, apparently entirely disappeared from Afghanistan and then it stages a spectacular uh, comeback. This does raise questions about the legitimacy of the uh, democratic process which was in place in uh, Afghanistan. Now it is true what you say that uh, there were uh, uh, there were efforts to make earlier governments in the past 20 years truly uh, representative but how much legitimacy they had uh, is certainly a question which uh, one has to think about uh, rethink uh, in fact given the way developments have unfolded in the past few months. Uh, Dr. Raghavan, as uh, this meeting of NSAs happened uh, in New Delhi, 
we also have a meeting on november 11th uh, of diplomats from the us china russia and pakistan meeting in islamabad uh, representatives of this uh, uh, meeting or this grouping will also have a meeting with amir khan muttaki designated as the taliban's foreign minister so is this actually the tent india needs to be in well i don't think there is one tent which is uh, emerging in uh, with regard to developments in uh, afghanistan and uh, that is really part of the problem which exists uh, uh, today certainly pakistan has a major role because of the role it has played uh, in the taliban uh, comeback but uh, the realities of india pakistan uh, relations cannot be put aside when looking at the uh, future diplomacy uh, with regard to uh, afghanistan so much as we would like to be in different uh, groupings or in all groupings uh, there are other considerations which always uh, come in the in the way some two or three weeks ago there was a meeting held by iran on afghanistan to which india was uh, uh, not invited similarly soon after the there was a change of regime in uh, uh, in kabul india then as president of the un security council had organized a meeting on afghanistan to which pakistan was not uh, invited so the the these internal issues or bilateral issues which exist between afghanistan's different uh, neighbors will certainly play a role in these different uh, tents and it would be uh, i think unrealistic to disregard these uh, bilateral uh, factors nevertheless i think there is a overall convergence of international uh, views that convergence is still at a uh, is a developing process but there is a uh, general convergence that uh, the taliban regime cannot be uh, you know ruled out uh, ipso facto some element of engagement uh, is necessary with it if only because of the humanitarian crisis which stares afghanistan in the face today uh, dr raghavan you referred to the role of pakistan you served in pakistan as deputy high commissioner you worked in the ministry of external affairs uh, looking after pakistan afghanistan and iran affairs and then you were high commissioner so uh, there's a long history of uh, pakistan's involvement in afghanistan uh and uh, for a while it appeared that um, uh, you know they were out of favor or you know they didn't they couldn't play the same role uh, that they used to so now what do you think about pakistan's role in afghanistan how central are they going to be uh, in afghanistan well to my mind pakistan because it is an immediate uh, neighbor and also because it has been a, a significant influence in southern and eastern Afghanistan for a very long time has always been a important factor where Afghanistan is concerned this is even so when it was excluded from the diplomacy concerning Afghanistan in the first decade of this uh, century because Pakistan's uh, centrality or Pakistan's significance in Afghanistan comes from its uh, objective position as a trading partner as a country uh, with which there is a huge ethnic overlap between afghanistan with afghanistan uh, the fact that many afghans have lived in pakistan as refugees for a long period of time uh, so i don't think 
anyone seriously denies the importance of the Pakistan factor uh, in Afghanistan. Uh, the problem really arises because of uh, the way Pakistan perceives its uh, position with regard to Afghanistan. And this, I think, is not so much a tactical or a policy uh, issue, but is a mindset uh, issue. Because Pakistan has been a highly securitized uh, regime and it has, been, it has had a history of uh, having a securitized uh, view of international uh, affairs, uh, it therefore ap approaches Afghanistan from this highly securitized uh, perspective. And rather than rely on uh, attributes such as the cultural commonalities, trade, the economic position uh, it has, it instead tries to use uh, uh, factors like the Taliban, which in turn breeds a, a reaction from those forces in Afghanistan which are opposed to the Taliban. So Pakistan then becomes involved uh, in a intra-Afghan issue and it can never really play an effective role in that intra-Afghan issue. It may appear to be uh, in a successful position now, but that position will uh, change. So I think this, uh, this recognition has to be a Pakistani process of uh, how do they see their relations with Afghanistan uh, in the uh, in the future. And it's an open question on whether there is any serious rethinking taking place on this issue within Afghanistan, within Pakistan itself. Well, one of Pakistan's former army chiefs, uh, Mirza Aslam Beg, had uh, coined this concept of strategic depth for Pakistan in Afghanistan. Do you think that concept is now outmoded? Well, I think that concept was always flawed, even when it was first spoken about about it had a huge optical uh, value, but within Pakistan itself, uh, there was always uh, serious doubts about it, and it was seen as a flawed concept. But it had a certain uh, uh, optical uh, attraction. The problem is that uh, because of this securitized uh, worldview which uh, Pakistan uh, has, it has developed a sense of entitlement with regard to Afghanistan which is deeply resented now by many sections of uh, uh, in Afghanistan uh, itself. So I don't think this idea of strategic depth has any great uh, value uh, today, even if it had in the past, which I doubt. But certainly the sense of entitlement with regard to uh, Afghanistan remains in Pakistan. And this is going to be uh, the problem uh, as Afghanistan confronts the numerous challenges it faces. Dr. Raghavan, we also have seen uh, of late uh, the, the government of Pakistan saying that Sirajuddin Haqqani, uh, currently designated uh, within courts from my side as interior minister by the Taliban, and who is wanted for terrorist activities by the FBI, played a key role in the ongoing peace talks between the Pakistani Taliban and the Imran Khan government. Where does, uh, you know, the role of someone like Haqqani leave India in its dealings with the Taliban? At present, uh, the factions affiliated to Haqqani or where uh, the Haqqani group has a predominant influence uh, certainly seem to be uh, on top uh, in, uh, in uh, Kabul. Uh, and given their proximity uh, to Pakistan, uh, that does not bode well uh, for India. But I think that this is an evolving uh, situation and the, 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 we are 
barely at the beginning of a major flux in Afghanistan. And we should not take what there is on the surface today as something which is going to remain uh, permanent. When, uh, when the NSA's declaration uh, speaks about an uh, inclusive process or a representative government uh, in Kabul, uh, one implication, of course, is uh, uh, the different ethnic uh, communities, the, the question of uh, women, human rights, etc. But there is also a larger question of uh, inclusivity as far as the other Taliban factions are uh, concerned. And my brief point is that while the Haqqanis appear to be the predominant factor uh, in Kabul uh, today or a very important factor in Kabul today, uh, this uh, process has meant the exclusion of other uh, factions. So, so while the Haqqanis, because of their close relationship with Pakistan, may have uh, certain implications for India, I think there are other very important sections of Afghanistan society which have a totally different perspective uh, on India. And we should wait for this uh, internal evolution in Afghanistan to mature further. We've also seen, uh, Dr. Raghavan, uh, that uh, the Haqqani group and Sirajuddin Haqqani himself organizing a uh, gathering in Kabul and honoring and presenting money or purses to families of suicide bombers who were killed in uh, and employed by the Taliban. So does this, uh, I mean, that what kind of a message does this send out to the rest of the world that uh, the Taliban are still quite defiant in, uh, you know, their public posturing? Well, it did. Uh, that particular meeting uh, and the statements which accompanied it did send a very negative uh, message. But the point is that if we look at Afghanistan and the different factions in Afghanistan and the nature of the regime in Afghanistan uh, today, purely from a historical perspective of what was done in the past, then clearly we will not make uh, progress. And in that sense, we will only be repeating the only older historical uh, cycles. I think the effort really is to see whether we can, uh, in a sense, graduate beyond that particular uh, historical uh, perspective and see what else is on the, uh, on the table. As I said, uh, the statement which came from this meeting of NSAs uh, is reasonably moderate where it comes to looking at the internal situation in Afghanistan. There is no fierce denunciation of the uh, Taliban. And I think that follows from this overall sense, which many countries now have, that we cannot take policy positions today based on our historical uh, perspective on the, uh, on the Taliban, because then you will just become prisoners of history in a sense. We also see many reports on social media of excesses being committed by the Taliban uh, including bodies being hung from trucks. Uh, these are some, uh, you know, uh, pictures and videos uh, we have seen uh, on Twitter coming out of Afghanistan. So what, what kind of, uh, you know, what kind of messaging does this uh, send to the international community? And what possibly might be the responses uh, of this community then? I think the, the, these pictures are, uh, of course, very distressing. And there are numerous reports about how much of the progress which was achieved in the last 20 years, especially with regard to uh, 
uh, women and women's education and access to employment uh, and so on is being uh, undone. There is a harsh uh, uh, system of justice uh, in which uh, people are summarily tried and executed. All that is uh, so and all that is uh, true. But as I said, uh, the Taliban came to power uh, a few uh, months ago uh, at, at the end of a certain process which has been playing out for the past uh, uh, decade. And that nature of that process is well known to, uh, to everyone. The realities of Afghanistan also are known. We cannot employ standards uh, which, however much we may want to, and just uh, transplant them to uh, Afghanistan and expect them to flourish. That experiment clearly has not worked. The question is whether uh, in some way these excesses can be moderated by a process of engagement. I think that is really the question which uh, uh, most countries are pondering over uh, today. So they don't want to go too far down the engagement route because that would mean turning a blind eye to all the excesses you uh, mentioned. But also, uh, at the same time, they don't want to shut the engagement door completely and leave the Taliban and Afghanistan adrift, uh, so they say, in a sea of extremism. So the question is how to balance that engagement to see whether that can lead to some moderation of these harder positions and simultaneously address the humanitarian crisis which is developing. Uh, earlier in our conversation, you had mentioned about uh, how Afghanistan was in a flux. And um, uh, and this, uh, in a sense, this flurry of regional diplomacy is also perhaps related to the flux uh, that you refer to. Uh, I mean, with your long years of experience, uh, you also referred to, uh, you know, uh, history repeating itself in Afghanistan. So do you think this time is going to be any different or we'll see more of the same? I think it's too early to, uh, too early to say. One reason for optimism uh, uh, in assuming that things will be different is that no one wants to repeat the experience of the 1990s when uh, a total isolation of uh, Afghanistan meant that it became a kind of a greenhouse for every kind of extremist and terrorist group to have uh, uh, a free pass and a uh, free play. I think that is one lesson which everyone has internalized uh, pretty comprehensively, that no one wants to repeat that uh, experience. Uh, so I would say that uh, uh, that part of the external environment is a positive where Afghanistan uh, is concerned. But whether internally in Afghanistan there have been lessons learned, whether the Taliban is uh, actually nothing but a group of uh, people who are high on the great victory they have uh, achieved and are not going to be bound by any kind of uh, norms, restrictions or popular sentiment, or whether they have in fact changed a little. I think that question is still open. I don't think uh, uh, the negative uh, uh, negative uh, noises coming out of Afghanistan means that that question is answered. I think it is too early uh, for that. But certainly uh, how the international community and especially important neighbors deal with Afghanistan will maybe have some impact on the final answer which emerges from Afghanistan. 
Dr. T.C. Raghavan, thank you so much for talking to the Hindus In Focus podcast. Thank you. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by the Hindu. We'll see you soon.